Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra. And me, Father David Pelican. As we explore the priesthood here, vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcast and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. So welcome, everybody, to a new edition of Men of the Hearts podcast. Last month, we talked to Father David Pelican, our own Father David Pelican, That's who me. was sharing with us the great grace that he's going to go back to school for five more years to get five more years worth of all A's. <laughs> So that from grade, from grade school all the way to a doctorate, all A's. You like to bring that up. Do you get like a gold you? star or something like that afterwards, <laughs> like a trophy? or You'd get something. You, you know what they say uh, about a seminarian who gets all C's, right? You know what he's called after he gets ordained? He's a priest. Father. Yeah, yeah. father. <laughs> well, this week we have, or this month, we actually have on a really great uh, priest uh, here from the Archdiocese of Detroit, been ordained for a long while now. I don't remember exactly how many times or oh, years. About eight and a half years. Eight and a half years. We got nice. Father Jeff Allen. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Father Craig. Good to be here with you. Good to be here with you, Father David. Yes, it's likewise. A joy to be here with you and uh, just blessed to, to continue to serve the Lord and, and continue to, to move forward with... Uh, just with everything the Lord has uh, planned for us all. Awesome. Amen to that. Awesome. How you doing, Father David? I'm doing well. Doing well. Life is good. How about yourself? I'm always so-so. You're always so-so. It's just, it's just life. A little bit of carbudgeon <laughs> in your nature there, you know. Yeah. After the podcast, I always feel uplifted because the guest always brings blessings upon us. It's true, though. I, you don't get to hear each other's vocation stories much. So yeah. I, I, do, I do enjoy this. I'm looking forward to it, to hear your vocation, because I don't know it. Yeah. So I'm really excited. But before we get into that, why don't you kind of share a blessing what's been going on in your life? Anything that, yeah. you know, like you just share with us. Just want to mention too briefly here. I think it's all, everybody's a different vocation story, but it's all the same destination, not just a priesthood, but also heaven. And uh, it's very unique and interesting to hear everybody's story. I'll share mine in a moment, but I could just share a blessing of one that I just actually came from, right from uh, oh, fresh from, blessing. Uh, yes. So yeah. I came from um, Our Lady Perpetual Help in uh, Ferndale, and it was at the site of St. James, where I actually lived for two and a half years. Hmm. So I was blessed to actually go to a wake of a, of a priest uh, who just recently died. I was blessed to live with Father Ed Pruce, um for about two oh, and a half wow. years. And he's uh, just a wonderful, loving man, a great example of priesthood. And just uh, I went to up to the casket there, and I just found myself just expressing a lot of emotion. Yeah. And uh, Ed, uh, go into one of the pews and just reflect on, on just his life, how it impacted me. Um, and uh, just grateful for who he is and, and what he did. And he been, just impacted so many lives that at the two o'clock start of when the, the wake began, there was so many, so many people lined up, even out the door. Wow. So what a great gift he was to, I think, our church, our local church, and the great calling that he answered that God had for him in the priesthood. So really grateful for him and um, just uh, just glad to continue forward my, with my priesthood with a great testimony that he gave of his life. Yeah, he was like That's one awesome. of the happiest priests that I've yeah. ever known. Like yeah. just, Always joking around, always happy, loved what he was doing. Full of joy, yeah. full of love. and To the very see, end, it, how old was he? I think was he? He was 90, 94. 94. I just, I just felt that, and certainly we have the, the patron saint of parish priests in St. John Vianney, but as far as just somebody to get to know one-on-one -on -one, and, and as far as our local church goes, and we're certainly yeah. blessed to have, blessed Salinas Casey, I just felt that 
he was the kind of the uh, epitome for me of uh, what a parish priest was and, and, and the wisdom that he shared uh, before he passed. So That's great. And did you say you lived with him? I did. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely. a cool opportunity. You, you know what was funny about living with him? <laughs> he was such a, a loved priest and he loved so many people that I felt living there with him, he almost needed an assistant or two with all the mail that was delivered. Oh, wow. I used to go down to the uh, the mail chute. We still have those in some of our rectories, <laughs> um, even though it is the 21st century. But uh, he used to get so much mail, and I used to sometimes come home from work and just get these piles of mail to bring him in. And I was just amazed how he was able to get through that, trying to catch up all throughout the year. Um, but always people coming in to see him. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was just a, con- a constant... Uh, um, just a, a constant turning of, of uh, doors of people coming into wanting to watch him and talk with him and spend time with him. Yeah, it's interesting That's that awesome. you bring that up because a lot of people think us priests are lonely and, mm. and that we don't have uh, relationships and different things like that. Mm. And especially if you're a priest that you really love the people and you serve them out of love. You know, mm. if you have the sacred heart of Jesus, that's, what, that's why we're called the men of the hearts, right? Yeah. The immaculate heart and the sacred heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Hence, that's why we're called men of the hearts. Right. <laughs> Again, why we named the show men of the hearts. <laughs> that um, people feel that and know that. And mm. when they know their love, they want to respond generously with their love back. And they get to, yeah, they, get, they, they share that with us. And, and it's beautiful and to be able to see that at the end of his life and how many people he probably impacted throughout the 94 years that he was here on this earth. Um, yeah. It was amazing. And, and living with him too, it usually wasn't just one person that was a guest there. There was usually multiple people <laughs> in the rectory that were visiting him with, at one time, whether it be friends or, you know, priest friends or even, you know, some of the people that were giving him care, medical care at the end of life. So it was a, a fairly, you know, busy rectory, not, not lonely often. <laughs> yeah. In that sense, so that's yeah. awesome. Thanks yeah. for sharing that with us. Yeah, it's a great gift for me. So I, we continue to pray for his soul as well. Amen. So. Amen. What about you, Father David? Besides going to Italy and uh, eating pasta at nine o'clock at night because that's when they eat dinner. <laughs> like when do they eat dinner in Italy? They do eat late. Yeah, I don't know if it's quite nine, but uh, they yeah they uh, they push their meals late. They have a nice little siesta in the middle of the day yeah. kind of a thing. Do you like pasta? Uh, oh, I love pasta. <laughs> I've been feeling a little pasta deprived because <laughs> I'm living with a Polish guy and an Irish guy. So we get a lot of, uh, of of rice and potatoes, which I love, but we don't get a lot of pasta in the rectory. Yeah, yeah. it changed uh, very soon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be <laughs> I'll, change. I'll have my fill of pasta soon, I'm sure. Uh, blessing this month. This month has been a good month. This might be kind of an odd blessing, but uh, I actually was able to get a, a new car this month. Nice. Uh, Congratulations. My old car went... Uh, well, it was a good car. It was a Ford Focus, but it had, as many of the Ford Focuses do, a problem with the transmission control module. <laughs> and uh, because so many of these are going, uh, it would have taken about three months just to get the part in. And I didn't want to wait three months to be able to drive a car, so I ended up trading it in and mm. getting getting a new car. Uh, well, a new new-to-me car. And, uh, so, so that's been a blessing to be able to drive around again. So. Yeah, for a couple of months, and then you're just going to, what, store it? <laughs> well, then I, I've got some siblings who uh, are going to be needing a car pretty soon, so I think it'll be a hand-me-down to some of my wow, sisters. Wow, what a brother. Very uh, you know, brother. I try. <laughs> Buy a new car for your sisters? 
very New wish. Very yeah. thoughtful. <laughs> very thoughtful. Very yeah. kind. I did. I must say, I did have a, a focus at one time, and I did have a transmission problem. Yeah, see, that's so what I'm saying. They're, they're a big infamous part, for it. And then I yeah. sold it afterwards, so somebody got a an, an, an improved car from what I had. There you go. Yep. <laughs> so I sold them a good car and good a good conscience. They, they good don't. Honesty. They don't make them anymore. So. <laughs> right. Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> How about you, Father Craig? Any blessings from this past month? No. <laughs> Nothing? It's just been... Just living life, just doing just, ministry. Just and... Penitential Lent. No no blessings. Just Maybe all... it's every other month. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same day over and over and over. <laughs> That's a movie I know. <laughs> no, it's been good. Um, you know, I'm, for Lent this year, again, I'm doing... Because uh, I did with Advent, uh, no um, YouTube videos. And I just find myself... Oh, yeah staring at my phone not knowing what to do with it <laughs> <laughs> good source of denial but i'm sure very tough yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i make like little exceptions if some someone sends me a video i'm okay to watch it you watch it you know, so you can respond and sound I, like yeah, you do what you saw exactly yeah, that's exactly. probably a good idea um, <laughs> but i've been reading a lot more and checking things out so it's been good that's great yeah. good. that's great so father jeff allen yes let's hear the sure. story of yours of how you became a man of god okay well, what I'd like to do is I'd like to begin my story actually um, not too long before I entered seminary. Okay. And then sure. we'll kind of go back and kind of bounce around a little bit. So mm. where I was um, selling drugs. I was a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to put a, a full stop on that one. <laughs> so I, I was, and all joking, kidding aside, I was in pharmaceutical sales before entering the uh, seminary. Uh, my brother's so, in pharmaceutical sales. Was he? Yeah. <laughs> Still is. So the legal, the legal kind, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I was in the, the legal pharmaceutical sales, and I did that for almost, I want to say, close to three years. Um, I had graduated from Adrian College in about 2001. Uh, I had pursued some, some a sales opportunity. Actually, it was, it was just as, um, of course, cell phones were getting popular, but people were still using the two-way text messaging technology, the two-way pagers and so forth. Hospitals mm. have had the pagers for a while, but this is 2001. So I got a, a job working for a company by the name of Arch Wireless. So I worked for them for a little over a year in Southfield. And the thing that I remember most about that is that I was making a sales call in my cube um, it was, yeah, it was about the, the fall of 2001. It was on 9-11. And I was making a call to um, a place in Dearborn. And I was speaking to the lady, pitching, pitching a sales call. And the lady was, was talking to me as if, as if I was crazy, as if I was nuts. Because she was, wearing, she was like saying, don't you know what's going on? I go, no, no, what's going on? I'm, I'm just talking to you. And she said something, you need to turn on the TV. And so I turned on wow. the TV, and the first plane had gone through uh, the building there in, in, in New York. And uh, I went into the uh, side room where one of the other employees was, and I saw the second plane go through. And so I was, I was at work making a sales call on 9-11. It's one of those moments where, you know, these historic uh, events happen, and you know where you're at at the time and yeah. place. So, um, so I was talking to a lady from Morgan Stanley, Dean Witter. And so it was very memorable and very sad, of course, that day. But switching gears to a year later, or about a year or two year later, is when I got that pharmaceutical sales job. It was very tough, very difficult. Um, it was kind of like a mom and pop, um, calling mom and pop independent pharmacies across the country. Well, the big three of that industry is pretty much replaced calling independent pharmacies, meaning Rite Aid, Walgreens, CVS. 
But at that time, it was it was still um, there was still opportunity, even though it was declining, and um, it was high turnover where I worked. It was um, very stressful. But I really liked the people that I work with, mm-hmm. and the bo- the boss that I had gave us permission to take our morning breaks. So I used to take morning breaks with with my colleagues from eleven to eleven fifteen in the morning, and we used to pray. And at oh, that wow. time, you know, I'm, I'm about twenty. I don't know twenty five-ish, plus or minus. And I, I wasn't really mature in my faith in the sense of leading people. But we would get together and we would pray in our Father. We would offer up intentions, read from Scripture, maybe do a meditation. We'd get, we'd get in this prayer circle in one of the side rooms in our sales office. And as a side benefit, it really boosted morale. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But looking, of course, God knew not only ahead of time what was going on, but I could only understand in hindsight that he was preparing me to lead people in prayer because yeah. I wasn't yeah. at the time. I was fear, fearful. I was, you know. Who um, started the group? Was it you or was it one of your employees? Or it was co-workers? one of the one of the coworkers. Yeah. Yeah. And our, our we had a Christian boss, and he was just uh, affirming of it. And um, I was kind of fumbling through at first, kind of scared, just really uncomfortable in that type sure. of setting because I hadn't really done that. You know, were you practicing your faith at this time? I mean, were I you going to Mass and everything? I was, and, and maybe part of that story, too, and taking a quick segue, is um, I was I was uh, dating at the time, too, um, and I was also praying at abortion clinics on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. I right joined the Knights at Columbus at, uh, at the parish, and also um, I... Um, started to participate in a couple of Bible studies. So it's like cool. I was just starting to be kind of formed, like the pre-formation <laughs> yeah. going into the seminary. That's great, though. And then another thing happened too, because of my work schedule, I went to a different parish for morning masses. And so this wonderful elderly woman, same last name as me. You went to daily mass so, yeah, then at this yeah. time? Before work. Okay. Yeah. So there's a woman, her name is Jermaine. She's deceased now, but her last name is Alan as well. No relation, different spelling. Sure. So she had referred me to go um, out to this group at St. Thomas the Apostle in Ann Arbor, and it was called Cairo House or Cairo Group, which, of course, for our listeners would be the first couple letters of the name of Christ in in, uh, in Greek there. So um, it was what it was. It was a discernment group of men that were discerning the priesthood, and they would have uh, the priest is named Father Roger, who is deceased now as well. God rest his soul. He would have us eat dinner. We would have a guest speaker. We would do evening prayer and so forth. It was a great evening too. And it was actually where I met a really close brother, friend of mine, a priest. Uh, his name's Father Craig Lusk. And so Father Craig, if I may take another segue here, he was actually a convert from the Catholic faith. So he was Lutheran, became Catholic, but while he was Lutheran, he was an organist. So he was an accomplished musician. He played at St. Genevieve in Livonia. And um, he was working in the corporate world and so forth. But he converted through Our Lady Council in Plymouth. Mm-hmm. So he had already be, he, he became Catholic. Soon after, he was um, um, discerning the priesthood as well. So I met him there. And he and I just hit it off as, as friends. And he was ahead of me in terms of discernment. He went out to St. Thomas the Apostle. St. Uh, uh, was on the East Coast in Connecticut. I'm forgetting the name of the seminary there. Holy Apostles. Ah. And he taught me actually how to pray the Liturgy of the Hours. <laughs> so the oh, Liturgy cool. of the Hours is all new to me, which is, you know, as some of our liturgists may or may not know, is we pray the five hours of the prayers of, of the day for the church. We pray for the church. And though the laity are encouraged, we make a promise to pray that. 
And so we would get together at his house in Canton and pray and get together for dinner. And he was stern through the Diocese of Kalamazoo. He's the pastor in, in, uh, of a Catholic church in the Diocese of Kalamazoo now. Sure. So we still keep in touch. So that was going on as well during my discernment. And um, finally, um, I had uh, come to the point where um, I was discerning. It was actually a second discernment when I was working for uh, in pharmaceutical sales, being a drug dealer, but the, the real uh, the uh, <laughs> the real ones and the legal ones. But um, at that point, um, after I was in pharmaceutical sales for a while, um, I contacted Father Jim Bilo, uh, not the first time, but the uh, second time. And I had two, well, di- what, two, two what, discernments. What happened yeah. to your girlfriend at this time? I mean, where, where did she come into play and, like, what's so, going on? So, um, yeah, I, we'd communicated that we just had, wanted, had, had different, different directions. And, and I understand she's married now, is blessed with a family. But um, it's funny because I had seen her, her family at uh, a hospital that I worked at, which is maybe a further story we can get into later. Okay. But, um, yeah, I just felt that the Lord wasn't call, calling me uh, to be married um, with her and, and also to continue to discern this vocation. Because for me, it wasn't really an experience in the sense of a vision. For me, uh, in my discernment, it was more of a, a stirring of the heart. Yeah. Uh, speaking of men of the hearts, it was a tugging. It was a prompting, and it was a response to that. And so being, uh, you know, working in the pharmaceutical sales, having the second time of discernment, because I had two discernments five years apart. Okay. One right after college where I um, was in, in involved in, that, in all these activities, but also uh, I went to the seminary, too, for a discernment weekend. Okay. So I, I met the seminarians, uh, went to some classes, had interviews with the priest, but I didn't feel quite compelled at that time to take a leap leap of faith sure. forward. So this is when I went back out into the work world, had some different life experiences, and, and dating was one of them. And then it just came back again. And so I'm going to say roughly around 2005, 2006, four to five years later. So, at that, so, so that's interesting. Maybe yeah. ex- explain a little bit about the first calling and how you felt. Yeah how it left you and then when it came back like what was different yeah that made made a difference in your life like how, how did you respond differently yeah so i guess from from my standpoint the type of person that i am is, is maybe is not to have regrets <laughs> yeah i like to do something and i think and god knew that i wanted to have some different life experiences whether it be with dating or working or um, being involved in all these different uh, ac- church activities um, having you know come having kind of a, a later vocation, I was ordained uh, in 2014. Um, you know, almost 35 years old, but um, I uh, I felt that I, I just needed to go out. I didn't have that sense of peace. Yeah. And in addition, to that sense of peace. I don't talking about cars. You know, before and, and at the beginning of this this podcast here, I had purchased a car, a brand new car. I had a five year car loan to pay off too. Yeah. Um, that was not in my mind. That sure, certainly sure. wasn't the most important thing, but as a as a sidebar, as a secondary thing. Um, yeah. So I I was working. Not all that wander are lost. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I had to work that that uh, work for that car and pay that car for yeah. that car. So um, was that the focus that broke down on you? <laughs> it was. I, I needed better focus. Yeah. Right? Oh. <laughs> so yeah. 
Well, so, I so did you break had down these, actually too. But, did yeah. you, uh, you had these two discernment periods. What yeah. is, I'm just curious. When is the first time you ever like thought about the priesthood? You yeah. know, I mean, there's like intense discernment. Did you ever think about it as a kid growing up? I think anything so. Like that. Well, looking. Did you ever the, play mass or anything like that? I didn't. No. <laughs> but um, I think <laughs> on the list, God had had it number one all along. But I think for me, it was number four. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> Number four. Okay. But I had I had to I had to, to climb and kind of meet him at yeah. at the one. Um, so I, what, I what, what were one, two, and three? I think being just a sports nut, watching, oh, sure. playing, um, even you know baseball cards, you know, and collecting was a big part of my life oh, for yeah. a while. Um, played a couple years in college at Adrian that I mentioned oh, nice. um, as well. But I think wanted to play baseball. Yeah. Um, just a long time. What position were you? Bad boy. <laughs> I, oh my gosh. I was. You were. I was the bat boy for the Atlanta Braves. Were you? Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. pretty cool. Back in 1989, which wow. was right before they had the big earthquake in Northern California. Oh, so okay. So I had an uncle of mine who had connections in the hotel industry in California. And so I was a bat boy and went out to visit him um, and my aunt and my, my cousin with my family. Um, so I was a young guy then and uh, had the blessing and the opportunity to hang out with, with guys uh, in the locker yeah. room and get the bats. And the, and can, it was Candlestick That's Park at the cool. time in San Francisco. Cool. But it was, it was a one-time deal. It wasn't like I got to do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so play played baseball. That was the first first love. I think after that I wanted to own my own business. Oh, really? Um, I think that was part of an inf- – not that my dad was pushing it, but my dad was in business. He was in sales. I eventually sure. became in sales. But, of course, I, I got involved in – healthcare industry, which is what my mom was in too. Um, I do have a sister who's a labor and delivery nurse as well um, yeah. at U of M in Ann Arbor, so she was impacted by my mom. But I think we were both influenced by my parents in, in big ways. So I wanted to own my own business. Um, and then getting into pharmaceutical sales, I think the, the next step was to work for a manufacturer. Where I was as a middleman okay. in sales, it wasn't as, as lucrative <laughs> as sure. working for a manufacturer. I think that was the end goal. Yeah. Um, I didn't make it there, and for good reason. I was discerning. Um, but in the fourth, of course, would be the priesthood. So I was an altar server from the fourth through the eighth grade at, at St. Robert Bellarmine in Redford, oh, yeah. um, which is now closed, but they uh, consolidated into, uh, along with St. John Bosco and St. John the 23rd there in, yeah. in uh, southeast Redford. But, um, yeah, so I was an altar server, um, just you know, went to Mass on uh on Sundays with my parents, prayed, prayed grace before meals. Yeah. Um, just kind of the standard of uh, what Catholics yeah. would do. I'd, I was blessed with gr- both sets of grandparents that were active Catholics. Um, and I think when I look at my parents too, my dad was an example for me of what it is to be involved. Like for example, what it is to be involved in parish life or be involved in the church. He was involved anywhere from doing bingo to this 400 club raffle after four o'clock mass, to coaching baseball and basketball, to be involved in the the, the, the annual festival that we had at the parish and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Whereas my mom, she was a medical assistant. She was a great, um, you know, uh, one, one, just one who took care of the home very well. And But she also always prayed with my sister and I before we used to go to bed at night. So she was kind of the more of the prayer model. And Father the, David yeah. did that too. They would pray the rosary before they went to bed. Oh, yeah, look at that. Right. Yeah. That's why he Powerful. can't he can't pray the rosary uh, sitting down because he <laughs> puts you right to sleep. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> it's true. True story. Did you pray that on your knees or when you're 
When I was oh no Stand no it over. we would you? actually pray it when we were little we'd pray it while we were in bed we'd oh, usually wow. drift off as the parents were praying Look, so, what a what a guess uh, right. if I ever good, can't good sleep just start praying the rosary you know? <laughs> he wasn't that pious to be on his knees praying the rosary <laughs> 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 well what can I say but uh, so I'm great and blessed with wonderful parents um, who showed me great love and I think uh, I felt felt the uh, prompting of the Holy Spirit to give back that love in a unique way in the priesthood. But Yeah, so yeah. let's let's kind of yeah. go back to, because you steered, off, steered us off. I steered us off, of course. So we had the first time that you went in, you were doing yeah. all these things outside uh, it, with the church. Um, sure. You went to a discernment weekend, you just didn't feel ready, something wasn't there. Yeah. You went out into the world to go wander and to see see the world yeah. and to, to so they say about our, our being the military man and women right you could join the army or join the military you see the see world see the world see the world but i saw the local world saw the local country. world got to wasn't do... all good and, and uh that's that's to my fault or some of the mistakes and my own sins that i've committed but uh i think i learned from that but i think the big equalizer um getting to what what you're talking about in terms of the the, the two discernments is uh peace a sense of peace that i didn't have the first time in the sense of peace. We know that St. Paul talks yeah. about the, the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, yep. um, and all, all that uh, that entails. So I think it was a sense of peace. And I was blessed with Father Jim Bilo, who, who uh, as my vocations director, was the um, associate at Divine Child, where I went to high school my first two years. Blessed, of course, to have Monsignor Cusick as the pastor and having Father Ricardo the, my junior and senior year. But it was interesting how with Father Bilo, he was he was there my first two years, and then he was a vocations director. Kind of, um, I wouldn't say he, he didn't write me off, but I think he, he kind of put my uh, file away, so to speak. But ah. he was open enough the second time to kind of get it out of the back, of the back of the, oh, yeah. the drawer, the cupboard, to be open sure. and say, okay, let, let's give this guy a chance or an opportunity. So I'm grateful for his openness. And he even came to my, my mom and dad's house to talk with them. And my parents weren't my biggest fans at first either. They would have preferred me to get married, and that would have been a great blessing to carry on the name. But uh, I think God has, has worked through that and, and, and been open uh, to them um, to, to reach them through my vocation, to bring them closer to him. And so they've been my biggest supports and fans. I give praise and glory to God for that. Yeah. yeah. That's they awesome. changed it, change of heart. Yeah. Father Bilo was my vocation director as well. Who was he? Uh, yeah. Great, great guy. St. Yeah, Paul's yeah. now. Well, I used to joke around with him. So he, he was the one that instituted giving us a stipend yeah, yeah. every month for seminarians. And every now and then he would come to the seminary and have lunch. And I would see him and I'd be like, Bilo, <laughs> where's my money? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Father Bilo. <laughs> it was Thank funny. For Everybody was. Yeah, yeah. Well, he to came be able up to go out and get a dinner or something. Well, like he that. came up one time and he goes, I'm sorry, did you not get the check? I'm like, whoa. whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I would never speak to you like that. <laughs> it was a joke. Yeah, uh, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I, and if I can switch gears too. Um, getting, no, you can't. Getting no. into <laughs> to hel- to healthcare too, like what led me into. To being a chaplain, you know, I had these wonderful experiences at, at my after being ordained in 2014, um, work, working at a couple different parishes in Port Huron, St. Michael's in Livonia, helped out at a couple different parishes as well as uh, yeah. But before we Sebastian. before okay. we get into that, sure. I just want to w- what happened now that you said you had this piece? Yes, you went to Father Bilo. Yes. Did you go to another discernment weekend? Yeah, I did. Okay. I went on the second oh, right. discernment okay. weekend. Okay. And, and how was, was that different than the first one? 
it was the same, relatively the same structure. No, no, but uh, I mean, but, how is it different like for, for you? you? But I think spending time in front of the tabernacle and the, the chapel, um, having a sense of peace, um, I think, and in addition, people, you know, affirming my vocation, whether it be this elderly woman at, at St. Priscilla who referred me out to go to Cairo House. So I had different affirmations um, as well. I think people praying for me, having a brotherhood or a fellowship that I didn't really have before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that all kind of culminated, excuse me, in a sense of peace that I had um, from ultimately, I think, from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But it, I think yeah. like with any vocation, though, whether it be with marriage or religious life or priesthood, like for me, it wasn't 100%. Yeah, you didn't have this hundred percent feeling. Okay, I'm called to priesthood. I know I'm going. I think God over time gave me enough examples uh, of people in my life, um, of brothers, of the discernment weekends. I think it was just all these things combined that gave me enough peace, that gave me enough co- enough confidence and conviction to take that leap of faith to step forward with the vocation. Yeah. And um, that's the Lord that that's led and, and knew what I needed on a, on a personal level. Mm-hmm. On a spiritual level, especially. Yeah, and how was seminary for you? Like, what was your seminary experience like? Seminary was not easy for me, especially no? at first. Mm-hmm. I really struggled with philosophy. <laughs> so I didn't do so hot at first. Do you I know what? Father David didn't struggle at all in the seminary. <laughs> yeah, he, he's gifted. He's, <laughs> Here we go. Here we go again. <laughs> he's one of our gifted. No, he, yeah. Father David, I'm sure. You know he got well. all A's in seminary. <laughs> oh, congratulations. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not not envious, but I am I'm happy for you. But uh, yeah, I, I struggled, and um, yeah, just a different um, way of looking at things, the reasoning, the mindset, and it gave me a headache. And uh, I wasn't failing, but I de- definitely needed help, whether it be from the late Father Berg, um, who's known for giving the C minuses. But <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> uh, he was a great teacher. I loved him. I loved listening to some of the recordings that, that I was able to get him teaching. But um, I think. The, again, the brotherhood, the fellowship, the prayer. Um, I was also blessed to have a couple uh, internships while I was in seminary, mm-hmm. and uh, that helped me with just just it's a different um, perspective um, working in the church, um, taking on and being challenged and being stretched for different leadership leadership positions, nice. whether it be roles at liturgies or with youth and, th- and so forth, um, being at meetings and how things are run. I think that was helpful. Um, not all guys need that or ask for that, but I asked for it, and I was mm-hmm. blessed to be granted that, and um, that helped great. with my formation. And I think nice. ultimately even um, coming in as a leader of vocation and maybe extending the uh, the process longer, I think it ultimately I look back as a greater good, and uh, it helped me become a better priest in preparation for yeah. what God was calling me to where, do. Uh, where, where were you at for, for those, those times of, uh, of, of ministry? Yeah, so I was blessed to be at Our Lady of Sorrows in Farmington, Oh, nice. That would, there was uh, a lot going on there. there. There was. That was from 2011 to 2012. And then I was also blessed to be at Holy Family in Novi, uh, where I did my uh, uh, serve as a deacon, uh, Father Bob LaCroix. As, uh, as did I, yes. with Father Bob LaCroix. It's yeah, a great, great so place as well. Great parish, so. recent renovation there. Great people and yeah. at both parishes. So um, they helped me and, and they formed me. <laughs> and do you uh, think yeah. that coming back after a time, because I hear this a lot from yeah. guys who... who um, take some time in ministry is uh, that they come back and they have like a renewed sense of purpose of like this is why I'm doing all this you know like this is the goal kind of re-energized to, to dive back in and say like I can I can do this yeah I, I think I felt uh, a deeper sense of conviction uh, of preparation 
Yeah. I think it, it built on the sense of peace that I had. Nice. Um, I think just having that well-rounded experience, both in the seminary and in, in parish life from, from a, a unique uh, leadership position was helpful. Um, but I think, yeah, it, not, it, not, it was just not just knowledge and experiencing. I think it was multiple things. Yeah. And I had good priestly role models and yeah. good people to, uh, um, to work with as well. Yeah. Awesome. So now you're ordained. Yes. Right. So you worked at the parish like any normal diocesan priest is most likely going to do. Ninety five percent of us are right. in the parish doing parish things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you feel called to do something else and kind of go back to where you kind of started off with pharmaceutical sales. But now mm-hmm. you're a chaplain at a hospital and you've been at a couple hospitals now. Um, how did that come out did you ask for that was that something that you applied for was that something that the archbishop asked you about like so uh, how did that all work out yeah so it's taking all this this learning that i had in, in the head and trying to make the long journey down to the heart and kind of taking that into parish life and in the hospital and i just felt that i knew um in uh, my priesthood i was just open to chaplaincy i was blessed to have a couple of experience bef- before that I often used to do some volunteer work at Marywood uh, Nursing Home in Livonia on the campus of oh, yeah. Madonna University. Um, I also was blessed to do a summer internship at what used to be uh, Bon Secours and now Beaumont Girls Point. Father Rich uh, Bartosik is there. We had a wonderful experience being there. There's a Detroit Stories episode on podcast that people should check out about Rich Father. Okay. I'll have to Father, check that out. Father Rich Bartosik. Father Rich Bartosik, yeah, yeah. yes. I, I hear they got a good narrator. That, uh, There's a great <laughs> narrator on that one. <laughs> Shout out to Father Craig. It's all connected. Just can't get away. Um, but those experiences, being at the uh, Marywood, um, being at uh, Beaumont Girls Point, um, my mom being a medical assistant, like my sister yeah. being, I think, uh, I just felt compelled. I, I felt open to that. And... They uh, was timing too, and I expressed my interest, openness to be a hospital chaplain, and uh, I was asked by the archbishop to do that. So um, it was mutual, but I was asked and I was accepted to do that. I was at Beaumont uh, Gross Point for two and a half years. Um, it, it was great, a huge hospital, wonderful people, wonderful staff. Um, and what's interesting in comparison to the, the parish compared to the hospital is that uh, the staff are the parishioners because there's a consistent consistency with them working there and yeah. staying there and seeing them every day. Um, of course, in the parish life, you certainly see the daily mass scores, but you, you see your your weekly mass scores too on the weekend. But but in the in terms of patients and staff, excuse me, patients and families, they come and go. Right? Yeah. They're not certainly have people that come back, you know, that, that need uh, follow up treatment and so forth and care. But it's really the staff that that's the stable, uh, you know, uh, group of people that you see often. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. very, yeah, very very skilled people, very intelligent people too that you're able to minister to, yeah. sacramentally. Um, people that that want God, that need God, and and I was blessed also to celebrate Mass at at uh, Beaumont and Royal Oak too. Um, so you get to know a lot of people, and it's a huge place. It's like a little city. That's. I never thought of that before because, you know, mm. we go to the hospital from time to time as priests, but it's always to see patients and it's just kind of one and done. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. You get to minister to the, the yeah. ones who are ministering, right? Right. And I work among them, you know, doing charting. 
Um, so that's the administrative aspect. But in the hospital, there is a, a, a tremendous focus, a pastoral focus, yeah. uh, sacramentally in prayer and conversation, listening. Um, in, uh, in hospital ministry, it's not something that you walk into. There's training mm-hmm. that involves what's called CPE, which is... Um, <laughs> Um, which is a, a part pastoral education, yeah. okay. and it's it's very intense. A lot of people don't know how intense it is. Um, huh. Not only the the uh, the reading, the classwork, the um, the clinical hours. You know, I was working many hours <laughs> yeah. um, at the hospital, and uh, um, a lot of homework. Um, so it's it's not easy, especially at times for me. It's kind of overlapping where I was working and doing the CPE. So it was oh, like working sure. and going to school at the same time in the hospital. That was a great challenge, but it certainly stretched me. I learned a lot. Um, one of well, the things. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say how long how long is that program? I've heard it's it's not just like a week or something like that. It's yeah. So each unit each unit is four months long, and it's very okay. intense. And to be um, a certified chaplain. Um, not board certified, which is another level up. It's another conversation. But just to be a certified chaplain, it's 16 months with the program that I wow. was in. So each unit is four months times four units is 16 months. That is um, pretty intense. So it was, yeah, it was a, a pretty su- large, pretty substantial commitment. See, that's something Father David can't do. <laughs> he, he can't do full-time <laughs> ministry yeah. and go to school. You did <laughs> something more that you can do. It's true. It's true. He can only challenge it. <laughs> he's got to make can't, sure he can't that he's multitask. No, <laughs> bring, bring your own. <laughs> he's got to just know? focus just on school so he yeah. can get his A's. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to do it in a, a beautiful area in the in the yeah. Eternal City. Yeah. So. That's like, awesome. what do you do in the hospital? I mean, do you just start walking around to different rooms, or do you, like, specifically look for Catholic people? Do you look for Christian people? Do you just go into every room, and you're like, hey, you know, my name is yeah. Father Jeff Allen, and I'd like to pray with you, or is there anything that you need? Do you it's you got God in your life, or you got pamphlets that you hand out? And you're like, what do you do? Yes, yeah. <laughs> so every day it can be similar, but not every day is the same. Sure. Um, at Beaumont um, in Royal Oak, I mean, there was a mix. I would see not only Catholic people, but I would see Christians. I would see non-Christians. So it really stretched me in terms of people with different backgrounds, different needs, different requests. Whereas the hospital, the two hospitals I work at now, which are Ascension, I've been blessed to work there in the past for the past two years. um, That's been more of a more primary focus. I can see, I see everybody, or I can see everybody, but it's a primary focus on Catholics at Ascension, which is a Catholic hospital. But at Beaumont, you you respond to requests. You respond to urgent requests, whether it be baptizing yep. a baby who, who may be dying. You might be initiating um, somebody into the into the faith, the Catholic faith, who is dying. I remember this one uh, older gentleman who was not Catholic, but he was baptized Catholic and he was Christian and he was dying and he wanted to receive the sac the sacraments of um, confirmation and first communion. And yeah. so, with the the timing and the circumstances. Um, I felt in my heart that it was important to give him uh, yeah. fully initiated before he was going to go meet the Lord. Oh, yeah. um, but um, you know, That's you go in, sweet. Yeah, yeah, you go into the emergency room and you, you encounter people that have just died or are dying, or they be from tragic accidents. Um, and so there's a lot of emotion going on between the family and and in the one end, there's a, there's kind of a in our own nature and own hearts, we want to try to solve the problem. Which want to try to soothe the issue, but in our own humility, after you can learn this, is um, there isn't a lot of words that you can say, and so that's yeah. where the power of listening comes in. One of the things that we are taught in CPE is not to be dispensing. 
like a dispenser, almost like a, uh, think of a vending machine, so to speak. Um, but a dispenser is somebody who wants to try to resolve the issues or solve problems. And we can't do that. We can't solve their issues or their problems. But there's different ways of approaching them to, um, to listen, um, to offer prayer, to, to challenge them even, um, and to get them think, thinking deeper about their own situation. Um, and to, to really go deep with them. You know, Jesus says in the Gospels to put out into the deep. Yeah. Well, being in hospital ministry, especially when it can be a tense at times, is to put out into the deep with these people. Yeah. You, know, you know, you can be um, suffering with them. You can be in purgatory or in hell with them, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you know, some people aren't very close to the Lord and they're upset with God. They're angry with God. Why did God allow this? Um, and so... Um, it's, it can be very difficult. Certainly you want to be sensitive to what they're saying, but you also want to be um, open and sensitive to what the Holy Spirit may be in prompting you, prompting you to, to say to them. Yeah. So you're going to keep your spiritual antenna or your awareness up when you're dealing with people in, in crisis situations. Any, any particular event that really sticks out that you're like, oh, so amazing. God worked in such an amazing way in this particular instance. Well, I'm recently at Ascension, I went to see this one woman and she was in her mid-70s, and I walked in, and she was sleeping. <laughs> so I hear this uh, patient and the patient's sister on the other side of the room, because there's usually two people in, in the room, mm-hmm. and the sister ended up telling me that she was in the hospital, but she got out because of cancer. So mm-hmm. she's there with her sister, who's the patient. And so I, there, I was there ministering to uh, uh, the sister of the patient and also ministering to the the, the sister who had cancer as well, and it was great just to being offered the uh, being able to, to be an instrument to offer the sacraments, but to have a conversation with them, to be kind of a light in their darkness, and to be a priestly instrument to them. But after after talking with them and finishing the conversation, I'm walking out, and the woman who was sleeping woke up, and so she she got my attention, and I was able to talk with her, and she said that her granddaughter recently invited her to come into the faith. So this woman in her mid-70s who's a patient has only been Catholic for two months. <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. And she could be, you know, who knows, only God knows if she was on, on the doorstep there, but yeah. she was ill nonetheless. She was in the hospital. And she was, she was telling me about this granddaughter who just brought her in two months ago, so she doesn't know, she was telling me she doesn't know a lot about the faith. So I'm just there giving her some general uh, pointers and some tips about what I'm doing and what, what the sacrament of the sick means in terms yeah. of a particular strengthening and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So you just, you never know what people are going through. And we always, uh, it's always good not to assume that um, everything's good with everybody because everybody's always going through something. Everybody has a background. Everybody has a story as we all have our own vocation stories. Definitely. But it, it is, it is interesting. You know, it's almost over time being in the hospital for only, you know, about four and a half years now, um, kind of just experiencing all these people with all these different stories. They all have their own book, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And so some people let you in to read their book, <laughs> and some yeah. people are very uh, resistant uh, and don't want, you know, not wanting to talk at all. Sure. So I try not to push uh, about meeting people. Um, yeah. If they don't want to meet, they don't want to meet, and I just move on to the next one. Do you happen yeah. to get a lot of questions about suffering? I mean, because, I mean, all of us suffer. I mean, I think sure. there's a realization at some time in everybody's life where you realize that <laughs> some you're <gonna> suffer <laughs> yeah. in life. You know, yeah, it's, like it's inescapable. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the effects of the original sin, and um, you know what? I often don't. Sometimes I do, um, 
you know, one of the things I might say is, um, you know, when if you want to see love, um, you know, look no further than a crucifix. Um, it'd be great to have more more crucifixes in the hospital than than, than what I see, but um, there are crosses. But when you see the crucifix, you not only see love, but you see suffering. Yeah. You see uh, you see what the Lord went through us, and so He can relate yeah. in that sense. And maybe when I see um, maybe mothers suffering or women suffering, I may turn <coughs> and relate the example of the Blessed Virgin Mary, yep. who saw her own son suffer, and, and try to take the the uh, attention off of me. Like, who who is this priest? And I don't know him. What is he going to say about suffering? But mm-hmm. if I can relate to Blessed Virgin Mary, or somebody that I know who's experienced that as a woman, right, or a mother, yeah. um, that can, that possibly can be relatable to somebody. It's beautiful. Um, why don't you tell us a, a bad experience you had where you just fumbled something totally? Yeah, so I think <laughs> <laughs> I've had I've had them before. Uh, we've sure. all had them. Uh, we've all done that. Yeah. yeah, I think one of just one of the first things that comes off the top of my head is trying to pursue a visit that's not there. Like, uh, like, sure. I, like I've tried to pursue a couple. Like I really, I really wanted it for that person, <laughs> but the Lord knew I, it wasn't the right time. I wasn't the right person, and and. Um, yeah, so um, that that's happened and on occasion. I try to be careful. I think the more that you do this hospital ministry, the more you're careful and you're sensitive to, to patients' yeah. needs. And not just what they're saying, but reading their body language. Um, some of them are incapacitated. Some of them are withdrawn. Um, you know, they're, they're sleepy. Or you can tell they're, they're, they look upset. Um, and maybe it's not about me. Maybe it's about their own family member. Sure. Um, sure. That they're trying to get all the the legal or the medical information ready in case something were to happen. So I think it's a, there's a tendency to think it's 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 that about me. Um, and there was a a quote that I, that I have on the back of my vehicle. It's from Bishop Barron's Word on Fire, and I love Bishop Barron's quote. I, I like a lot of his of his work, but I, I have this little uh, bumper sticker. It's small. I like I want to get a bigger one, but it says, "Your life is not about you." And uh, your life is not about, it's, it's about the service yeah. of others. So we're in that capacity to serve, but sometimes we always don't serve yeah. <laughs> well or as, as we should. And Great paradox, right? Yeah. You try to gain it or like like, lose it. You lose just, it, you gain it. I like it. Your life is not about you, but yeah. uh, it's always stuck with me. There's been other instances, I'm sure, um, where I haven't maybe done my homework as well as I should have, or maybe I assumed the patient's um, uh, case or situation. And... Uh, should have done maybe some better homework. Did you ever walk into a room where it was like highly contagious and you didn't have your full body suit on and you had to quarantine for like five daily, days? Daily, multiple times. But yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of COVID patients. And, uh, Do you have to suit up in that full thing, yeah, you know, a lot? Getting, Is that... getting, it's like getting vested for yeah. uh, or getting ready for Halloween, like putting on the costume. But no, yeah. in, in all seriousness, yeah. It, and we want to protect e- each other, yeah, um, but it, it takes some time. And of course, I really I applaud the, the staff that's had to deal with, deal with that over the past few years. But yeah, it, I do put on uh, all the, the precautionary equipment yeah. um, often. Um, and not just for COVID, but a, a lot of it has to do with COVID, but other contagious stuff, yeah, air, sure. air, air and droplet stuff and so forth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know wow. a couple of uh, chaplains and my own aunt was in a hospital with COVID and there was no way that I as a priest could make it in there. So I was able to contact him and he was able to go in and anoint her. And okay. it was a you know, blessing to have chaplains in, in these hospitals. We need more of yeah. them. Right. Just we as do, we need more we priests in yeah. churches, yeah. we need priests everywhere. So this is, yeah. yeah. I feel good about not only doing the work that I do, praise God, but I feel 
um, I feel like I'm helpful to my brother priests. Like it saves them time from having to come in and they can focus on things in their own parishes where I can free them up and alleviate the time that they would have spent. And certainly they do, they do come in and they visit their own parishioners, yeah. especially upon request. Sure. But I'm able to help them out. So I feel that that's important too. I always yeah. find that if I went to do an anointing of a non-parishioner, yeah. usually it was someone that was dying and then they didn't have a parish because that's why right. they were calling me. Right. So then I would do the funeral yeah. with an unknown family. And it was always an opportunity maybe to mm-hmm. bring the people back to church because obviously they didn't have a parish to go to. So mm. sort of like welcoming them in. So um, mm. I'm sure that you really affect people's lives. Yeah. And I, I, I do receive a lot of gratitude from patients. I'm humbled by that. And I, but I also just in a sense that I don't think we, we realize as priests, if I can speak for priests in general at, at the hospital, I don't think we realize how much of an impact that we have and, and really how grateful they are. Mm. Um, this might be the only uplifting event or uplifting person that they may see or want to see yeah. during their whole hospital stay. Because yeah. huh. they might be not only struggling with their illness, they may not like the staff, they may be struggling with family conflict. Yeah, um, that's a good point. So, uh, the unknown of what's going on in their home. Yeah, or, maybe, maybe yeah. they're not ready to meet God. Maybe they haven't reconciled mm-hmm. their relationship with Him with other people. So, um, yeah. it could be powerful. And, and the Lord has surprises yeah. too. Um, but speaking of peace, you know, sometimes patients tell me not only not out of my own uh, service, but I think out of the out of the uh, the instrument of the sacrament, people tell me that you know occasionally you know here and there they they've experienced peace. Um, yeah. from receiving the sacrament of the anointing of the sick from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So I'm just I'm a conduit or an instrument to uh, to be able to bring that to them. Father David has anointed me many times. Yeah. I'm a sicko. Yeah. I get sick all the time. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've we've talked about my surgeries on the podcast. That's we don't, right. That's right. We, we don't need to talk <laughs> about my next surgery, <laughs> which Father oh. David will probably annoy me again. <laughs> Happily. Happily. It's a beautiful part of our ministry. But I feel, I don't know, if I kind of say this in tongue-in-cheek, but I feel you know, in a sense like a mule or a horse in the sense that I'm Jesus is on me. I'm bringing Jesus to them. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. I'm carrying Jesus with me, and Jesus is the one who's doing the work. I'm, I'm just bringing yeah. him. So, so you probably do a lot more anointings than the average priest. I'm, I do. I, you, I do, do, you, do can you give us even like a ballpark, like in any day or week? How many people do you think you give the sacrament to? Well, let me. I can give. I want to give you one statistic. This okay. is this is no credit to me. This is all for the Lord. Yeah. Um. So I have a current Excel spreadsheet that I keep track of of all the anointings. But I oh, that's I cool. took out I took out a chunk when I first got there. Um. I just deleted it, and this is over the past couple of years. And other people, other priests have, um, anointed too. So on the current chart with with the anointings that I've done and the anointings that other priests have done combined, it's right now. Um, over the past, I would have to say, year and a half, because I think I cut out about the first six months or so. Yeah. But it's about forty-three hundred. Wow! Um, so I, I mean, yeah. Then the Lord has blessed you crazy thousands. Yeah. I mean, in the four and a half years that I've yeah thousands, but um, wow, yeah, that's wild. There's just a lot of a lot of uh, opportunity um, to do that with the amount of Catholic patients that we have in the hospital mm-hmm. in yep. Southeast Michigan here, yep. and and with the amount of requests. 
for sure. Um, so yeah, he probably knows his way around that little green book better than you or I, Brother Craig. I still get confused got, by that a little bit sometimes. It's got, it's got those holy oil stains on it. <laughs> yeah, mine does too. Like you could see through them. Yeah. The pages they yeah. get a little see through. With it's the, funny the, when I first became a priest. Like sometimes you'd go through like old priest stuff, and you'd be like, you'd see their book, and it's like you could see through all the pages. And you're like, I would oh, yeah. never let this my is so book. messy. Yeah, I would, I would never, never <laughs> let that happen. And mine's like, totally like that. But that means I'm using it. So that's right. <laughs> Before we end the podcast, I want you just maybe something that you would tell a young man listening right now if he's afraid or if uh, maybe he's already kind of gone through the first time and he's in the middle of trying to figure out the second time, you know, mm-hmm. like what, what would you say to him to help him along to, to and, discover and his Advice vocation? for discerning well. I would say don't, don't narrow your focus, even on the priestly identity yourself. Um, what I mean by that is that we're all blessed to be priests and we all share in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. But um, you know, all of us have different callings within the priesthood. You guys are, are blessed and gifted and talented to lead this, this podcast. You're going to study in Rome. Father Craig um, is blessed to be the vocations director. It isn't, isn't permanent. The, the priesthood, of course, is we're a priest forever, yeah. but our roles change. And I say be open to that. I, 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 yeah. I'm a priest chaplain. So the image that I often use and share is the image of a bullseye target. You know, with the center bullseye, hitting that target is Christ. Christ yeah. is at the center. And then that outer concentric circle is uh, the priesthood outside of the circle. And then out, outside of that one, the next concentric circle is my hospital chaplaincy. Yeah. So all that kind of flows from there. So I, I, like say, that. I say just don't, don't limit yourself. Within pre- be open to how God wants to use you within the priesthood. Um, the next thing I would I would say have a, a consistent daily prayer life, um, whether it be Eucharistic adoration. Certainly, the Liturgy of the Hours is a promise that we make. Um, I have a devotion to to Mary and to, to Saint Faustine. I pray the Rosary and and the, uh, the Divine Mercy Chaplet every day. I'm going to be given a, a presentation on Divine Mercy and uh, Divine Mercy Sunday. But nonetheless, where we can plug that? Yeah, the, out in out in Pontiac. Okay. So that's oh, yeah. coming up. Um, Going to uh, Father Jake's parish there? Just near there, yeah, near Father there? Alex Kratz. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to be out there. Okay, great. St. Joseph. And um, so prayer life is definitely important. Um, I think seeking advice, I think humbling ourselves, especially if ah. we may come with a little pride. <laughs> hey, we know God is calling me uh, to be a priest. I don't need any help or I don't need any wisdom. Well, rather than that, I think it's good to be open to, to ask those who have gone before you. Um, to get insight, to get wisdom. Um, and then the last thing, I think it was something that I heard on this podcast. because You actually listened to the yeah, podcast? Yeah, all right. <laughs> I don't know if it was Father John Copson that shared this, who was, by, by the way, my classmate, awesome pastor at St. Anne's and Warren. Father Johnny. Yeah, he, he did great. Good I, guy. I uh, enjoyed listening to his. I'm going to catch up on the others that are on here too. But I think he, was, he, he said, or correct me if I'm wrong, it was somebody else who said, you know, God has called you to the priesthood, but and he wants it for you, but you want to pray that you want it as much as he wants it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to you want you want to want it, <laughs> and you want to want it as much as God, as God wants it for you. And if I may paraphrase, there was something similar yeah. that was shared, and um, yeah, we're, as as we discern, we may not want it, or we may want it, yeah. and certainly we look at as as a discernment which there shouldn't be any pressure. Because we look at it as a win-win situation. Either, either you come out formed as a priest, ready to serve God's people, or you um, are, are prepared and formed to be 
um, you know, a married man or maybe a, 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 somebody who's serving as, in the single life or a religious life. But I think it's a win-win-win situation all around. Just take the pressure off yourself and, and put it put it on God because God is going to provide and to trust in that. Yeah. So. Amen. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, Father Jeff Allen, thank you for coming on to the podcast and thank sharing with us me. your vocation story, <laughs> telling us about what it's like to be a chaplain and yeah. everything like that. So The Lord is alive, and, and uh, especially in those that are sick and ill. And uh, It was a blast to be here with you, and thanks for having me on. Well, yeah. we'll make sure that everybody please pray for Father Jeff as yes. he goes and thank you. talks to people that are at maybe the end stages of their life or really afraid of what's going on and mm. that he can really speak to their heart and uh, bring... Christ's love to them at their time of need. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Yeah. Father Jeff, would you like to lead us out in a prayer? Yes, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Lord, we come to you with an attitude of gratitude in this Lent season. We ask a blessing on all of us as we serve you in all the different capacities that you've called us to. We ask that you always just remind us that you're always present there, that you're there to do the work and that we're to be your instruments. Help us to seek you in all things, to just remind people of your great love for them, no matter what they're going through. And we ask that you continue to, to help us to be mindful of you, of, of just um, all you've called us to, to do and to keep you focused. We ask all this through the intercession of Mary and Joseph in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Father, Father Son, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you again. You're welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me every month, Father Craig Guerra. And me, Father David Pelican. As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts, and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com.